For me, stand-up comedy is an art form full of distance, rebels, and heretics. And in my opinion, in order to tear down boundaries in this world, you need to... Introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order and everything becomes chaos. Because rules are at best suggestions and at worst barriers that need to be blown apart like the statue of a sexually perverse dictator at the end of its regime. These comedians today saw the two paths set before them, one of straight stand-up and one of absolute absurdity, and decided to instead carve their own path made of mushroom trips and acid trips. And along the way, they burned every road sign and landmark down set before them because these two go by no rules other than their own. Because in the world of whimsical, freakish, nutty, daffy, insane, unreasonable, nonsensical, other synonyms of crazy worlds that they live in, the only thing that matters is what you can imagine is funny. Today, we talk about Reggie Watts and Nick Vaderot, two titans that live among us today. Now, for me and you, let's, out, let's step outside the box. Welcome back to the DTF Podcast. My name is Sam Norton, and you are a listener and absolute nerd of comedy. So thank you for joining me again uh, on uh, on this podcast, where we will continue to dissect comedy that we love until it loses all meaning and nobody will laugh at anything ever again. But until we reach that point, let's uh, you know let's con- deconstruct a little more. Today we are talking about two people that not only I fully respect their creativity and accomplishments in comedy so far, but I've also had the privilege of meeting and performing with both of them, Nick Vatterat and Reggie Watts. Now, before we get into them, uh, what I want to give you guys a little bit of a perspective on why I'm talking about them and not other uh, comedians, uh, such son of a bitch. There goes my... uh, Hey, this wouldn't be the DTF podcast without me not turning off uh, my phone while I'm recording like a smart podcaster would. Um, so we are going... God damn it. Shit, motherfucker, ass tits, cunt, cock, motherfucker, shit, ass tits, motherfucker, shit, come on. I had to get my bearings. Holy shit. Okay. So there are many comedians, this is what I wanted to talk about. There are many comedians who have deconstructed the form of comedy before, all right? Steve Martin, Annie Kaufman are the two, what I would call, originators of uh, this world that we're going into right now. Um, they, uh, they brought what is called Dadism, 
uh, in the art community to the stand-up stage. Now, Dadaism, as I define it, is an artistic movement that shunned the conventional values of past uh, art forms, this one being stand-up, by producing nonsensical work mired in abstract surrealism. Now, Andy Kaufman and Steve Martin destroyed the old vanguard, which was straight monologue stand-up, right? Before, you had kind of the vaudevillians, then you the vaudevillians, which was, uh, oh, the troops came back today. I hope they gave old Hitler a sock and a kisser type of comedy. Then you had the Catskill type comedians that brought about a little flash and pizzazz, but mainly one-liners, which was take my wife, please. Then you had the new wave movement of both uh, Lenny Bruce and Richard Pryor, and then even George Carlin, which was more uh, of a uh, deconstructing of self, right? It was bearing all in your soul. And then you had the deconstruction of the art form itself, which was from Annie Kaufman and Steve Martin. They destroyed everything that was stand-up comedy. What exactly was funny? What exactly was a joke? And Reggie Watts and Nick Vatterot, in my opinion, are now picking up the pieces of that destruction and seeing what surreal statue they could make in front of you. One does it on the fly, puts out... Basically, if you think of comedy as Lego blocks, he dumps a whole cast of Lego Lego blocks out in front of you on stage and continues to construct something in real time in front of you until what you see is a beautiful piece of artwork that was done in real time. That is Reggie Watts. Then on the other hand, you have Nick Vatterot, who has been given all of these lego blocks and like the master builders from the movies has been able to build a most fanciful picture of what comedy can be and it has illusions and textures of what came before it but in my opinion is a completely new part or genre of the art form these two are amazing and we will deconstruct them right now starting with reggie watts Reggie Watts, I've, again, had the privilege of not only seeing but performing with in Chicago. He used to come through all the time. And he, give you guys a backstory, is a product uh, destined, I think, from birth to look at the world through Dolly filtered glasses. He basically sees the clock melting, in my opinion, everywhere he goes. Uh, he's a half-French, half-African-American, military-born m- boy... Uh, born in Germany, then moved and raised in Montana until he went to an art institute of Seattle and then the Cornish College for Jazz uh, to finish out his degree. Uh, the man had a li- lived a life before he was even an adult, right? He traveled more in the 18, 19, 20 years of his existence than I have in my whole 30 years. Uh, And he's experienced and done many, many things. Uh, You may know him from the show Comedy Bang Bang, both the IFC show and his podcast. He is now uh, on The Late Late Show with James Corden as the announcer and band leader. He has five albums out with over a dozen more that are all collaborative albums. Uh, We are going to listen not to a stage performance of his, 
but to a single that he had that oddly I remember getting released on Comedy Central. It wasn't released on MTV or VH1 or anything like that. It's a music video, but what he does is simultaneously deconstruct, uh, in that Dadaism way, he deconstructs comedy uh, in the lyrics, uh, but he also deconstructs, and what it mainly is is deconstructing hip-hop and making fun of it. Um, now, some of you may be going like, oh, is he just a musical comic? He is not. We will get into it more, but I want you guys to get a flavor of what he does uh, and the kind of texture and idea of uh, who and what he is through this song, I think, is was my introduction to him and uh, continues to be, uh, I think, one of the better examples that is pretty palpable without you seeing him live. Uh, we will come back and deconstruct more of what he does, but uh, sit back and enjoy uh, this song by Reggie Watts. Enjoy. Another little piece of advice, advice. You take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You gotta fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. Take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You gotta fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. It's a stack of fuck shit on top of itself, nigga. I make references to weaponry, ancient or new. I wear bulletproof vests for no apparent reason other than to create a false sense of importance, of which I could never retain on my own. I like to create a buffer memory of incredulity so y'all motherfuckers could never get near to me. I'm a cartoon character. You'll never be able to be like me. 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 I like women. I like women. I like the concept of a woman. I like to take that concept and reduce it to an object. I like to take those objects and put them in my videos. Have them shake they jiggly bits so they looks like hoes. I like to take some car polish, smear it all over their asses, and buff that shit out so it looks like fresh peaches and shit. I like to take some more of that car polish and smear it all over their tits and buff that shit out so it looks all sparkly like diamond necklaces and shit. Why? Because huh. I'm a ladies' man. A ladies' man. 
A la 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 ladies man. I'm a materialist. I'm a materialist. I'll take a piece of shit car and I lower the motherfucker. Put some 18 inch rims on the motherfucker. Take some neon, put it underneath the motherfucker. So when I roll around this town, it looks like a hover, hover, hover. I like to take a flat panel display monitor. Put one on the steering column, one inside of the glove box, one on top of the dashboard, two in back of the headrest, one mounted in the ceiling, two still in the motherfucking Packaging on the back seat so when my motherfucking friends go and sit on the shit and break it, I can honestly say I just don't give a fuck. You take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You gotta fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. Take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You gotta fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. Take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You gotta fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. Take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You gotta fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. It's a stack of fuck shit on top of itself, nigga. Yo, where my girls at? Where my girls? Where my grills at? Where my grills at? Where my girls at? Where my girls at? Where my grills at? Where my grills at? Where is they? Fuck shit! Fuck shit! Fuck shit! Fuck shit! Fuck shit! Okay, that was "Fuck Shit Stack" by Reggie Watts. Uh, now. We're not going to talk so much about that, but you can see uh, that he's just making fun of how cursing has become lyrics in, like, vapid cursing has become lyrics in hip-hop and how they have uh, really over-saturated um, the market and oversimplified hip-hop by saying, uh, you know, all I care about is getting uh, money and bitches, basically, is what he was doing. But he also deconstructs comedy in many ways. Now, his music, he does beatbox. Uh, he beatboxes into what's called a loop pedal and a synthesizer. And on the fly, uh, on his stage uh, shows, he will do the stuff that you heard in the background of that song. All of those beats, that's all him doing it and looping it in a machine. So he doesn't have a band. He doesn't have anything. Well, on The Late Late Show with James Corden, he has a band. But everything else is all basically a one-man performance that he's managed to become multiple people in a band. Um, now, he also does a lot of uh, improvisation. That's mainly what he's known for. Uh for me, Reggie Watts' style might be the most unique thing I've seen and almost doesn't even border on stand-up. I've seen it multiple times. I'm entertained every time. I laugh. I don't laugh at anything he says. I laugh at the absurdity that he puts in my mind, which for a stand-up comic to watch is not only quite an accomplishment, but it's also very... It's very intellectual in a very dumb way. Like, it's so weird that you can't help but laugh at what the fuck is going on. He almost creates one of those moments. I don't know if you guys have ever had this, but have you ever been doing something and you just laugh at the absurdity of what your life has placed you in? Like, you're on a bus and all of a sudden you just watch a guy start shitting on the 
uh, <laughs> on the seats, and then the bus driver stops, and the guy falls in his own shit, and then a baby cries and throws up, and you're just sitting there amongst all of this chaos, and you just start to laugh, either out of nerves or out of just simple recognition that this is one of the craziest things that will happen to you in your life. That is what he creates on stage every time. Uh, he single-handedly, in my opinion, has expanded comedy as a genre. And if comedy was music, like, a, it, it, like in an analogy, if comedy was music, Reggie Watts is as far from George Carlin as jazz is from synth-pop music. You guys know what I mean? He He's in that same genre, but it's so far removed from what it started off as, even from vaudeville or uh, Catskill stuff, if you want to go back even farther. It's so far removed that it's definitely become its own genre. And I, I am a huge proponent that people should know about the different genres of comedy. can't tell you how many times I've been out on the road as a comedian uh, and especially when I'm, I'm the one headlining the club to where people don't know what they get into. Now, full disclosure, I'm not a comic that is pushing the bounds like Reggie Watts or Nick Vatterot are doing, but I am a comic that I think has a, a certain taste of people that need to know, and I think every comic is like that. But most comedy crowds, it's getting better, but most comedy crowds just go out to clubs and shows in general just going, oh, I want to laugh. So I'm just going to go somewhere to laugh, right? It's the same dumb logic that someone would do if they're like, oh, I want to dance tonight, so I'm just going to go out to a music hall and dance. And it's like, well, they might have death metal there. Are you going to dance to death metal? And that's, and I think Reggie Watts, especially, has carved his own path. He's not death metal, and technically he's not even synth pop in that analogy. He's created his own genre of comedy and how he did that is flat amazing to me because uh he's and maybe it was a little bit easier because he introduced music i know that music uh, makes new uh type of comedy palpable but he wouldn't be a comedian unless he was making people laugh now his music is what entrances you right when he's beatboxing and doing all this stuff that's what kind of gets you into it and lulls you into a sense of security. And then what Reggie does on stage is he beatboxes and does what's called sound poetry. Basically, in my opinion, it's just scatting the right? Just a bunch of nonsense sounds. But intermingled with all of that, what he'll do is he'll improvise on the fly uh, certain lyrics and words and then we'll just cut the music out completely and go into his stand-up routine. Now, his stand-up routine is where I, th I think, personally, he flourishes above just being a gimmick, which I've had arguments with certain comedians that that's all he is. He's a gimmick. He beatboxes, does this little thing with his uh, uh, repeat pedal and synthesizer, and everybody just pays attention and thinks he's awesome. But with his stand-up, in my mind, is this anarchic symphony of rapidly changing thoughts and accents and sounds and topics. Uh, it, it's never nailed down. It is 
in the words <laughs> in the words of uh, Wolf of Wall Street, he is fairy dust. It doesn't exist. It's never landed. It is no matter. It's not on the elemental chart. It it's not fucking real. <laughs> so his kind of amorphic set is both formless and shaped if that's let's get into details so he will do this thing where he constructs almost a one-sided dialogue and it's it's like an absurdist conversation uh of a, of a not one-sided dialogue one-sided conversation and it's very absurdist so he'll snap into uh like a british accent and it'll be like he's uh interviewing you and until halfway through you realize that you're the 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 dialogue that he's speaking you're being interviewed for an oriental rug shop that is burned down because a child an overweight child was trying to eat a box of matches thinking it was candy Something weird like that. And he just slowly reveals these little bits. And right after, like, the second that you kind of get what the fuck's going on and you laugh, he will take a couple of beats and continue the conversation. But then all of a sudden, go into something weird, like just start speaking fluent French and just start giggling his ass off. So he'll be like, I'm not going to do any accents, but I'm going to try to give an example. I tried to find one online. I could not for the life of me. Uh, and maybe it's just what I saw in Chicago. Again, he improvises a lot of his set. So the stuff I've seen maybe not be the stuff that you've seen, which is why I picked that uh, one thing we could all relate to, which is this music video. But he, he would do something like, yeah, and the kid ate the, ate the matches and farted them out. So... Uh, a fireball came out. Now, do you think you could handle that? And then that's where it gets a laugh. Clearly not here because I'm not as good as he is. And then he just goes, <laughs> You know, get that. He just gets ridiculous. And then the laughter is contagious because he takes absurdity and then somehow normalizes his absurdity to the point where you're just like, okay, I think I can follow down this path. And the second you start following down that path, he just makes a left-hand turn into the forest and giggles. And you're you're just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And those twists that he creates in his own absurdity is what makes you laugh so much. I've never seen someone branch off of insanity more than Reggie Watts, in my opinion. Now, someone like, and I'm going to deconstruct Andy Kaufman and... Steve Martin later down the list. Trust me, they're on my list. Don't worry. They get their own fucking DTF podcast. But someone like them, Annie Kaufman, really, what he did was deconstruct what a joke was in general. Uh, a lot of times he wouldn't write a punchline. A lot of times he wouldn't write anything that was necessarily funny. He would create tension and then craft a space for people to laugh. Um, so a lot of times it didn't work in my opinion. We'll get into that when I deconstruct Andy Kaufman. Uh, Steve Martin, uh, and I know this from his book, said that he did a very similar thing. He would 
create a lot of tension, like a rubber band, and then just wait for the rubber band to break. Now, Steve Martin's approach wasn't to create a standoffish presence. He created a, you're watching a madman uh, give be given full reign of a PA system and a stage. And so you just watch this crazy man, what seemed like uh, kind of a, have this anarch, anarchic type of presence where nothing was really going on. Steve Martin was very well crafted on, let me do this weird thing. I'm going to make balloon animals. Then I'm going to pop one. Then I'm going to play my banjo and put a balloon animal on my head. And through just the craziness like I was saying before, where you're just sitting there going like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, that type of bus mentality. Like I just watched a guy shit on a bus and then s someone puked on the bus, right? Uh, Steve Martin created that. Now what Reggie Watts does differently is once you get to that point, so you watch the, the you, you're, you're laughing at the whole experience, right? Of, okay, the, so we'll go back. We're gonna stay on this analogy. I'm sorry if it's making any of you queasy, but fuck you. Um, it, it's as if you're on the bus, a uh, homeless man shits, falls in a shit, baby throws up, you start laughing at the absurdity of what you're watching, right? And then what Reggie Watts does is he pulls you off the bus right when you're starting to accept your reality, where you're starting to go, well, I guess this is what my day is right now, and I'll be on this bus until I get to work. Reggie Watts not only pulls you off the bus, but then puts you into a limo that is equally as crazy but completely different from what you were experiencing. You were in abject poverty, smelling the worst smells, seeing the worst people, and now you're in a limo, speeding at 100 miles an hour, watching the hottest women make out with each other, but while they're making out with each other, a dog is somehow masturbating with his paws. You see what I mean? Like, it's just like, what the fuck is going on? And that's what he does. He'll create these situations or environments with his music and you you're entertained and lulled into a sense of security and then he'll cut the legs out from underneath it and then go into these weird uh kind of story sketch comedy stand-up bits and then once you get into lulled sense of security with okay i guess we're doing this he'll just start speaking a foreign language as if you know what he's talking about so the overarching thing is that you're laughing at the madness you're witnessing, but the 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 construction of it or the the genius of his improv skills is to be able to read the audience when they're they're starting to feel comfortable and then the laughter starts to die down. Right when that twist starts to happen is when he brings in his own twist and then all of a sudden shit just got crazier. So that's what he does all the time. And what's impressive to me is that uh, the few times I've seen him, it, I could be dumb. Listen, I've only been doing this 10 years. That sounds like a lot to some people. It sounds like nothing to others. I think it's nothing. 10 years is fucking nothing in this business, in my opinion. However, I think I know enough that I can pick up on stuff, and yet with Reggie Watts, I still don't know if he writes jokes. <laughs> or if he has sets, or if he has reoccurring bits. I don't know, I haven't seen it. Um, I know he has some reoccurring songs, uh, but he, he plays within him so much that he is he's really uh, like a felonious monk type character, except with 
madness. Uh, he he's <laughs> he's the Mad Hatter. He's having his own party, and every time you're about to take a sip of tea, you have to pick up and move to the next seat. And at some point, you just get thirsty to have a punchline, but he never gives it to you. So at some point, you just have to create your own punchlines or you die of thirst. Now, the reason I say die of thirst is because I have seen him not do very well. And that's the problem with any surrealist is that uh, if you can't get people into your weird fucking world, you don't do well. And, uh, you know, every, every comic has a chance of not doing well, but I think people who are surrealist have the biggest balls, especially surrealists trying to push the envelope like these two. Because not only are you asking an audience, a drunk audience, to suspend their disbelief, you're also asking them to pay attention because you cannot laugh at surrealist comedy unless you're paying attention to what the fuck's going on. Because uh, you can easily ignore the crazy person on the bus, right? But if you pay attention to it, some funny shit gets said. And then thirdly, he's creating a world that if you step into it, you start to understand it. And like I said, once you start to understand it, he does you the favor as a comedian by setting up this world and then completely destroying it so that way you can experience another one and have more laughs there. If you ever get too comfortable in Reggie Watts' world, don't worry. He'll fucking kill it for you. He is, uh, he's one of the masters of uh, my generation, I think. I'd like to say my generation. And uh, if you have a chance, please go see him live. Or, uh, you know, experience him on James Corden. I'm not a big fan of that show, but I am a fan of the fact that he's very musically, and talent musically talented, inclined. He's doing something new with music as well with his... Uh, loop pedal and uh, synthesizers and stuff. I've seen many other people kind of hop on board. He was, he was one of the first pioneers of that uh, genre of music too. But of comedy, I think he's really stepped out on a limb. And uh, I've seen others slowly start to do the imitation thing of oh, a loop pedal bringing in. It's kind of like a new prop comedy. But uh, Reggie Watts really really forged the way and found uh, a truly original voice, uh, not only in comedy, but also in the genre of Dadaism comedy. He's deconstructed it so far that he's actually built uh, an island onto himself, and uh, others, I think, are trying to swim out and live on that island. So uh, see him before you get oversaturated with other loop pedal fucking weirdos, too. So let's move on. That was, uh, that was Reggie Watts. Let's move on to the next illustrious uh, person, Nick Vatterot. Nick uh, was born in St. Louis, Missouri, started in Chicago, and moved uh, to New York and lives in Brooklyn now. Uh, Nicholas is a pure surrealist who is like the white hair into madness on stage. In this wonderland that we're exploring on this episode, he is the white hair. He's the one that's on time. He's the one that you think, you hope, is the voice of logic in this crazy world. And he definitely presents himself as such, much like Steve Martin did, until uh, his set continues to go on and you realize that everything is insane everything is madness it's quirky it's it's the most daffy thing you will recognize but when you pay attention through the the fog of of craziness 
you end up seeing that there's a structure. He is the white hair because he is timed out to perfection. His jokes are finely tuned and choreographed so much that he leaves breadcrumbs for us mortals to follow him in sanity. He is a true timed out comedian in uh, one of the best living comedians right now and working in my opinion of this genre uh, and uh, again I've been lucky enough to work and see and kind of know him uh, he, he would probably know my face I hope uh, over the few times that we've uh, seen each other and vaguely hung out um, but he's uh, he is a fantastic comedian and I am uh, I'm lucky to have met him and have friends of friends but I uh, mainly I, I feel lucky just to be a living fan of his uh, and I will continue to be he uh, you may know him from uh, he was a uh, executive producer i believe or co-producer of his show comedy mashup that he did uh a few years ago and he's also been on fallon conan and had his own comedy central half hour and this is where i will leave you to listen to his jimmy fallon set now to me this is the best late night set i have ever seen i've seen some really good ones I've seen some really bad ones. At some point, I think I'm going to break down and actually talk about people I don't like, and uh, we'll probably be talking about a lot of late-night stuff. But this, hands down to me, was one of the most well-constructed uh, late-night sets, but it was also one of the more unique and uh, fun, just fun uh, comedy sets I've seen in a very long time on television in this platform and he kind of messes with it a little bit and really uh, like I said he's a surrealist so he, he plays with the tropes of comedy and not only comedy but this very specific part of comedy which is late night stand up uh, sets so um, enjoy this is uh, Nick Vatterot on uh, Jimmy Fallon enjoy where'd you guys come from so uh, I'm trying to date human women right now. Uh, I was actually, uh, I went on a date with this girl recently and uh, she was cool, but uh, every time she talked, it came across a word from a foreign language. She felt compelled to pronounce that word in its native tongue. You ever meet anybody like that? Like, uh, we're at dinner and she's like, uh, um, hi, waiter. Hi, hi. Um, um, to drink, I'm gonna have a margarita. <laughs> Do you want to get a margarita? <laughs> We're gonna get a pitcher of strawberry margarita. <laughs> and a croissant. <laughs> do people do that in other parts of the world? You know, is there a guy in France right now looking at a French menu, coming across English words, doing the same thing? Croissant. Uh, uh, je voulais le manger, uh, pour petit déjeuner, uh, biscuits and beans. Avec uh, <laughs> uh, la grève, pour la boisson, Mountain Dew. Ah, man. You know what I'm saying, man? Uh, hey. I like you guys. I like you 
like you. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, don't you hate it uh, uh, when you're all like, <laughs> you know, and then everybody else are like, <laughs> isn't that the worst? No, but I don't know a lot of Spanish, though. I, um, it's actually, uh, I was actually at a garage sale over the summer, and they had one of those um, uh, Rosetta Stone learning how to speak Spanish CDs. You ever seen these? And uh, it was like 10 bucks. And I was like, that's a steal. You know, so I stole it. And uh, <laughs> then I get home, I, I open up the CD, and it's, it's they're all scratched. That's why they were so cheap, you know? But I think it's good I noticed that, because I was planning on doing the lazy man's version of uh, learning, where you play it while you're sleeping to try to subconsciously learn Spanish. <laughs> Like, what if I did that and I was in Mexico, like, hola, que estas, da, di, 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 So one of the things I like to do is forget my next joke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hold on. Uh, well, you guys are amazing. I mean, <laughs> if you're gonna go blank, mine will be on TV in front of millions of people. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me. Uh, let me get, uh, all right, let me get a running start. Maybe I'll find it. Hey, you ever walk down the street and you see a guy and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm so, I'm, I, I, actually, uh, I, don't, I, have my, I have my set list. Do you guys care if I look at my set list real quick? Do you guys care? Jimmy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dude. I just, going, I, apo I apologize. You know, I had the thing memorized all day, and then I get here, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm... I don't know if it's like the lights or TV and I get all nervous and everything, you know. I'll probably remember it as soon as I get off stage too, but it's just like, it's just one of those things, you know. It's, it's hard to memorize things sometimes, but hold on, let me get to, uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, we did, uh, where did you guys come from? We started out with that. Yeah, I did that one, I did that one. Next one is Margarita. Mar Margarita, yeah, we did Margarita. Um, let's see. Next one is, uh, don't you hate it when you're tied to a pole like an Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the Nazis open up the Ark and souls start flying everywhere and everyone's faces start melting? Did I do that or? Oh, God, oh, no. Woo! All right, so we did that one, we did that one, okay. Yeah. Let's see here, we got, um, we got that, all right, CD skip, there we, we did that one, we did that one. Uh, Irish River Dance, but only from the waist up. Do we? Do we? Yeah. Okay, so we did that one. We did that one. Okay, we got, um, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's what I got. Okay. Uh, uh, pretend to forget set list. Okay, I did that. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, get out obnoxiously giant set list. All right. Uh, read set list. Read entire set list to audience, including this line that you're saying right now. All right. Um, 
Oh, here we go, here we go. Uh, get rid of set list, pretend that you just got on stage and that none of this ever happened. Um, hey, where'd you guys come from? <laughs> All right, that was Nick Vatera on Jimmy Fallon back in 2014, I believe, 2015. Um, I, I love that set. Uh, his, his, Nick's style is, I guess I would say it's like a constructed whimsy. It, it, you're, you're almost walking into a carnival that is... Like, it, like every wall is a funhouse mirror. Um, every platform is on a merry-go-round or a carousel or a Ferris wheel. Every door opens to a brick wall or, uh, you know, a dark room or something. It, it is just a complete carnival. And yet, with every carnival or fair place or funhouse, there's architecture there. There is a structure that there's a a fundamental structure to keep it all up. Whereas Reggie Watts was this uh, amorphic blob that uh, kind of moves throughout space and time. Uh, Nyx is very solid and constructed, but they're both just as crazy to look at. Um, Nick is very much like a Willy Wonka in that he's in complete control of his absurd world. Everyone that went on that Willy Wonka tour uh, not only died, by the way, spoiler alert, uh, but they also, th the whole time they're surprised, impressed, uh, blown away, and kind of terrified of what's going on. And the whole time Willy Wonka is, it, it's almost... The way he reacts to everything is, it's uh, it's his day-to-day. -day. You've walked into his uh, chocolate factory, and that's the way Nick Vatterot said is. Um, that there isn't a, a comedian alive today that I've seen. I've seen a lot of very weird comics. I just moved to Canada, and I've seen some really good ones. But Nick Vatterot still holds the title to me of someone who... Every time I watch, I really feel like I'm stepping inside of their brain, and it's nothing like mine. Every time I watch him on stage, I'm like, I don't fucking think that way at all. And every time I'm blown away, and he looks as cool as a cucumber the whole time. He may be late, he may be late, he may be late for that very important date, but he's still got to work and watch in this fucking crazy world that he's created. He flows in and out of characters seamlessly without doing the what I think is now the hacky announcement of it, of like, I can't tell you how many comedians, and I did that, to be fair, I did this too, but I did it fucking 10 years ago when I first started, and maybe it was hacky back then too, but the person I saw that made it famous was uh, Zach Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis, if you don't know, you should. He's the guy, uh, the weird guy, from, uh, oh shit, what's that movie? Fuck it, you should know Zach Galifianakis. Uh, Hangover, the Hangover movies. And he does uh, a thing uh, that he kind of got famous for, or once he got famous, his stand-up sets, like, fucking ten years ago, was um, 
oh, I, I'm going to do a character now. I call this character Pretentious Jesus. And then he'll just, like, look out into the crowd and be like, uh, I don't eat meat. And then that's his whole thing. Uh, and Zach Galifianakis really put that on the map. But again, that was 10 years ago. And when I was doing it, I could at least say I was like what I was saying people are doing with Reggie Watts now. I was at least doing that with Zach Galifianakis, but I still see people doing it, and it's hacky as fuck now. And Nick has managed to do those surreal, crazy characters with actual setup, and he's unapologetically absurd about it. There's no hint of... There's no hint of irony in his set. Maybe there's irony of the world around him. Now, the, the example I'm saying is... When he was doing the, uh, you guys ever seen the people who overpronounce uh, stuff at Mexican restaurants? Uh, when I like a macarita, right? And he just slowly forms into that character. He doesn't say, "Hey, this is my impression" or "This is my character of the person." The blah 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 blah. He actually writes a scenario that he can dive into that makes you think that it's an actual observation and he's just de and what he does is just form-fittingly deconstructs observational comedy because by the end of it he's just sitting there making weird noises with his mouth uh he does it again uh i know it was a visual gag but he does it again when he uh slowly uh, you guys heard when he's like um well it would have been we real weird would have been real Weird. And what he's doing, and he's, he's shaking his head back and forth in this really odd manner and looking to his left and his right while he's shaking his head. Then later when he calls back to it, that's when he says, uh, pretend to be a river dancer without moving uh, the lower half of your body. And so what you can imagine he's doing is actually kicking his feet. He could have said, hey, this is my character uh and it's here's my here's my impression or character of a river dance artist with that can't move his bottom legs and then do it a lesser comic would have done that he created a, a real scenario that not only paid off once but tw paid off twice and it was funnier the second time which brings me to my next point he deconstructs his own act to pull bits from the inside out he is the first person i've ever seen do this especially in this manner that is so precise. I was fucking blown away. I've seen him do this multiple times. That was the, this callback thing with the set list on Jimmy Fallon is like the best example of it. But I've seen him when he lived in uh, Chicago. Uh, he, he lived or was just about to move to New York right when I moved to Chicago when I lived there. And I watched him do this multiple times where one joke will just be him doing something silly, uh, like the moving of the head for the river dance thing. And you just are simply laughing. You're not laughing at anything uh, respectable, I guess. You're just laughing at something silly. You're just going, this guy's fucking weird, right? It's the taking a t take, watching a guy take a shit on a bus. You're going, this is fucking weird. But then what he does is he puts context and shows you the scaffolding behind it. And not only are you laughing at the second joke, you're also kind of applauding the fact that everything had formed the whole time. You're like, holy shit, these funhouse mirrors actually serve a purpose? 
Do you use these as a fucking microscope in your off days? Like, it's almost like that, finding out that everything at this goddamn carnival had a purpose. Like, oh, this clown that shoots balls out of his mouth also is a particle accelerator or something. That's a very... See, I'm going absurd now. A fucking clown shooting balls out of his mouth is a particle accelerator? That's insane. But that's, that's what he does. He does that constantly. And, he, and he, he does it with a sense of whimsy that he's able to create these silly characters in and out without doing anything what I think is creatively dull, which is just force-feeding or spoon-feeding the audience. He allows them to be fully absorbed in his comedy. Like, he's a fucking waterfall of absurdity, and he makes the audience become a sponge. And I, I fucking love it. One of my favorite things I've ever seen him do, I don't know if this is a bit of his, I don't know if he was just riffing it on stage, I wouldn't be surprised if it's something that he's done before and he just waits for it to come up naturally, but I was at a show in uh, Chicago where uh, it's called Comedians You Should Know. If you live in Chicago, fucking go out there. It's the greatest show in Chicago, in my opinion, and my friends run it, and they're great. Um, but this one night, Nick, uh, Nick came on as a special guest at the end of the show. It was already running late. It was like a, it was already like a two-hour show, and they allowed Nick to go up because he's that good, right? And he's definitely not going to be doing anything that the crowd has seen before, which is why I think he can follow a two-hour show. And he goes on, starts doing his jokes, and at one point, I'm, I'm trying to remember this absolutely as accurate as possible, but at one point, he he said he he had momentum. Everybody was loving him. He was just being a silly goofball, and he did a callback of his own joke. Like I said, he pulls jokes inside out, but he he riffed off the top of his head. He was laughing while he was doing it. He riffed a callback to his own joke, but that callback was also a pun on what he was talking about. So it was a very layered joke. Anyways, it was it was funny. Um. But it was more impressive that it was, it was just everybody, like, kind of started clapping. Uh, and if you've ever been to a comedy show, whenever you watch something like that, everybody kind of goes, ah ha ha and then does that of, like, hey, fucking way to go. You pulled the rabbit out of the hat. That was pretty impressive. And he was so entertained with himself, he just started to pace back and forth and be like, yeah, you bitches know what I'm talking about, and just seamlessly went into this almost Def Jam esque stereotypical character from the 90s where he's like oh you all know what i'm talking about and kept repeating the pun and then started humping the stool like a bunch of hacky comics uh that were on like comic view uh back uh back in the early 2000s used to do and he just started getting more and more absurd he started the pacing then he started humping then he, st he would say the punchline again and lean back like a rock star. Then he'd say it again, and he started twirling the microphone by the cord like he was the front runner of a uh, fucking 80s hair metal band. And then the best one that he did is he just went from that comic view character back to himself and said it again uh, with being seamless. And everybody just lost their shit because he went crazy, 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 crazy. Completely killed the room by just going back to himself and saying it again. And then once it got a big laugh again, he then took the microphone cord and went 
and stretched it out between both hands, said it again as loud as he could, and then started jump roping the microphone cord as he was saying, you all know what I mean, and just kept jump roping the microphone cord. It was the most absurd thing I've ever seen where he built, not only he built a moment with his original joke, he then did a callback pun. I'm not going to give credit to the pun, but he did a callback to it, then rode the energy of the callback of the cleverness where some people would just go, oh yeah, see what I did there? That was funny. I'm going to write that down. And by some people, I mean me. I wouldn't have the tenacity to stick with it and then somehow turn it into its own thing he turned he turned a turn that turned into its own turn does that make i hope that makes sense because that's that's all i've got right now of that he he went down one path then branched off into another then found another path that became another path so that's like four twists partially all riffed off the top of his head and all absurd. None of it, again, a, a fugazi, a fugazi. It, it is no more. It's, you know, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey shit. It, he, the, the absurdism, the dotism of, of, of these two guys is very intellectual, both structured in their own ways and both uh, deconstructed in their own ways. And in my opinion, I think, uh, I think they're doing the best surrealist comedy that's out on the market right now and uh, I praise both of them as much as possible uh, and I, I hope that you will not only go out and find more of them but will go out and uh, you know it, it appreciate them both because they are uh, they are something special in my mind right now uh, doing doing absurdist comedy that is also you know what this is the best thing I can say they're being absurdists while at the exact same time being comedians. I've seen a lot of absurdists without any fucking jokes. It's all flash, pizzazz, personality, and no real understanding of uh, the twist of a punchline or a joke or even even the respect of the, the respect towards the craft of making something inherently funny then deconstructing it then rebuilding that up so that way it's unique and both of these people uh i, I think put that care and effort into comedy to where they they respect the art form enough to know how to do it first uh just like all the dottists and surrealists before them they learn the craft first so that way they can deconstruct it the right way and build their new empire uh a new whimsical carnival right in front of you so uh, that's it for this episode of Dissecting the Frog. You guys are amazing. Thank you for uh, letting me take a break while I move to Canada. Uh, I am in Toronto now. This city has been very good to me. Uh, I hope you guys will continue to listen to my comedy, even though I'm, uh, going, I'm half Canuck now. Um, please follow me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, it's all I Sam Comedy. Uh, I have uh, comics, you guys know, that come out every Monday and Wednesday for your guys' entertainment for free on each of those platforms. And then uh, this uh, podcast, I try to pump out as often as I possibly can. Um, 
You guys, thank you very much for listening. Go out and find your own comedy. I've got to run to a show now. Uh, I love you all very much. I'll talk to you later. Bye. You do get that. No, 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 no. Ski bye. I'm pretty.